thank you for um, for listening, coming to listen to me. I'm going to be probably reading a lot of stuff because um, I don't talk, I don't ad lib very well um, when I talk um, in these situations. So please forgive me if it comes off that way. Uh, and I'm going to uh, what I, I talked to a bunch of you guys at the tables about what is fellowship and the definition. I'm going. It's going to be weave, woven in between uh, or throughout my testimony a little bit, and then we're going to kind of talk about it. Uh, something that, uh, as my role uh, as the group's team leader, uh, that we do for group leaders, uh, educating them, um, helping them, which all filters down to you guys in your small groups and some of you small group leaders that are here. So anyway, if you haven't already done that uh, definition that's on your table, um, I'm going to be asking for you guys to share that with us all. So anyway, I'll get started. So this morning, I'm going to share part of my life uh, story with you guys. Um, it's not going to be uh, an ever, an, an, it's not going to be about my never-ending struggle with sin. Um, it's not going to be about the addictions that I've battled, um, and it's nothing about the anger that I succumb to uh, daily. Uh, I'm not going to be sharing you with you my anxieties, um, my failures, or my sordid desires. Uh, I will not be giving you a glimpse at the peaks and the valleys of my 34 years of marriage this morning. Um, that's not for today. Uh, some other time, I'd be more than happy to sit down with any one of you if you want to buy me coffee. I love coffee. You can uh, see. But, uh, World Series, maybe? Uh, maybe a World Series game or something? Yeah. Um, but uh, give me a call. I'd love to share uh, anything that you want to talk about uh, or, or my life or your life. Uh, but today, I'm going to uh, share with uh, you guys how God's redemptive work began in me. Uh, about 12 years ago, and still continues to this day uh, alongside and in fellowship uh, with many of you here today and others at Grace Point. So it was back in the spring of 2008, uh, another memorable year if you're a Phillies fan. Um, <clears throat> at 40 years old, uh, two impactful things happened in my life. Um, my grandmother was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and my wife Hannah gave birth to our son Caleb. Uh, they both happened within weeks of each other. Uh, my grandparents uh, were both very influential people in my life. They were believers. Uh, they attended church regularly. They served uh, their church. Um, they prayed. Uh, they read their Bibles. They were people that, um, that exemplified what a Christian was to me. But they weren't beating me over the head with a Bible. Somebody needs to come in. So. Hey, yeah. Wait, wait. Can you make sure that's... Did we turn that on? Yep. Yeah. Okay, so <clears throat> So they were examples of what Christians looked like to me. Uh, it was quite often that my grandmother would tell me, I mean, all the time, smile, Dale, God loves you. It wasn't in, uh, in another, any other way than in a joyful uh, reminder to me of something that I didn't understand or know. But smile, God loves you. I remember carving this thing for her when I was eight years old to put on her. It was just God-awful, ugly, horrible, this blue color and paint and, and barely wood card. But she put it on her uh, bedroom wall proudly. Um, and I was proud to attend church with them. Any chance I got to put a shirt and tie on and sit in the pew with them uh, on a Sunday morning in Hershey, uh, I loved it. Um, and to be associated with that, I wanted to, I mean, I felt like being in that church was somehow, it was good. It was good for me. It was, I, w I wasn't being seen by my friends and, and anybody else. I just wanted to be there with my grandparents. Uh, I had no idea what it all meant. Um, but looking back on it now, God was starting to cultivate my heart to receive what he was going to sow. <clears throat> um, I tried to cram in as much time with my grandmother that year as I could. So as a stay-at-home dad, uh, Caleb being a newborn, Hannah going back to work, I was driving back to Hershey once a week uh, to visit with my grandparents. Um, not really fully grasping that, <laughs> you know, within months I wouldn't have them, uh, but it was a time to share uh, with Caleb. Um, and then unexpectedly, in September of that year, uh, soon after the summer, uh, the Lord called my grandfather to, to uh, come home, which was a surprise. We were all preparing for my grandmother to leave, but my grandfather left. Um, by this time, my grandmother was so weak from her battle with cancer that she wasn't even able to attend the, uh, the internment at um, uh, Indian Town Gap National Cemetery. So uh, I don't know if any of you are familiar with, uh, with that kind of uh, national cemetery, but you don't actually go to a grave site. You have a ceremony. Um, with the coffin, with the family, and then you leave. And I decided for whatever reason to videotape it, because I had a video camera wherever I went. Uh, Caleb's eating his first peas. we got to videotape that. And Caleb's doing this, and, you know, we had it. So I videotaped it, and uh, so I could share it with my grandmother when I got home. Um, 
my grandfather, and, and I ended up sharing it with my uh, entire extended family throughout the, uh, the country who wasn't able to make the funeral through YouTube. Uh, it was new to me. I barely knew how to get on the internet, let alone use uh, YouTube. So I shared that, and it was, it was incredible. My, my grandfather, he was born in uh, uh, May 9th, 1921, in Minnesota, and he was a U.S. Army veteran of World War II, uh, serving in the 95th Infantry Division and earning a Purple Heart in the process. Um, and when I put that video up, it was dedicated to him, and it was incredible the amount of response I got from other veterans uh, throughout the country. It's pretty neat. So I always try to mention him and, and how he served in these settings, because you never know who's going to connect with it. Um, so it wasn't much longer after that that it, when he passed in September that my grandmother, um, after my last cousin was born, it seemed like she was hanging on for that, um, she passed. Um, I've never experienced sorrow like that before, and <laughs> it's coming up now. Um, it still lingers. It's, um, they were very important to me. I mean, I have parents. I have parents that are still alive, but my grandparents were my spiritual uh, compass. So at the funeral, uh, my grandmother's funeral, uh, my uncle, her son, uh, gave uh, the eulogy. And um, I remember having my video camera. I was like, I better videotape this, and I'll share this with the family that wasn't able to make it. And uh, I remember my, my uncle, a believer, again, not a not beat me over the head, but he was like my older brother. He's 10 years older than me. And uh, he gave this, this eulogy, and he talked about this guy named Paul, you know, writing letters and uh, doing things with joy in his heart. And, uh, and I, I start, it was starting to, you know, kind of prick my ears, so, so to speak. Um, so I shared this video again with re relatives throughout the country, and uh, in the process, I kind of made this compilation video of pictures and stuff of my grandparents, and, um, and I needed, I didn't just want to do this montage of, uh, of photos, so I wanted to put music behind it. So um, I started listening to country gospel music, because uh, that's what my grandparents uh, listened to. So I figured it would be appropriate to, to do that. And in the process of trying to find the right songs, that's all I was listening to. Every time I was driving around, uh, I'd have country music on, on the radio. Um, and it started to change the, the, the kind of music I was listening to. Not that I was ever against country music, um, but um, it was no more Led Zeppelin and Bob Dylan and U2. Uh, I started listening to Alison Krauss and, and uh, Vince Gill, Ralph Stanley, um, uh, Hank Williams. And, and I was starting to hear, it wasn't just the music, because I've always appreciated the, the, the bluegrass type music, but it was the words. It was what I was hearing in this stuff. Um, so what God began through my grandparents would uh, begin starting to take root about a, a year later. Um, you know, still staying at home. Uh, Hannah was raised a believer. Uh, she was baptized by choice when she was 13 or 14. Um, I know she, she sat on the edge of the uh, bed every morning praying for me for 20 <clears throat> years uh, leading up to this point, uh, but we never went to church. Um, not that I was against it, but we just, I don't know, we just never went to church. But uh, at that point, she said, hey, we should, we should find a church. So we went to the one that was about uh, a quarter mile away from us, uh, Bible Fellowship in Yardley. Um, and I remember walking in there the first day, uh, expecting this to be, all right, I'm ready for it. I, I don't think I had a shirt and tie on, sorry, Jack, but, um, <laughs> but I was dressed nicely. And I walk in, and it was September, and I mean, this might have been dressed up. Uh, the, the worship leader had a Phillies jersey on. Uh, again, 2008, or 2009, we just won the, the, the championship. It just was weird, sandals, shorts. Um, I was like, this isn't church. This isn't church, you know? Um, but... The music, again, drew, uh, drew me in. This was music, this is worship music I never heard. I mean, hymns, not that I knew any by heart, but they were familiar, that kind of music. Um, so I, <clears throat> I would go home, I would write down the name of the song that they were singing somehow or other, I'd go home, find it on iTunes, and then find a version of it that was three chords, and I got my, gu my guitar out for the first time in 15 years, and Caleb and I would sit on the living room floor after Hannah went to work, and we'd have little worship uh, sessions. I think he was watching Blues Clues, but I was playing guitar, and, and I was beginning to read my Bible. Um, but uh, it was right about that time. This is what I was doing. And then one day, you know, this was back when bulletins were, were handed out as you went in to, to sit down. And on the back, there was a tearaway. It was a response card. Um, you know, check here. Put your name and a phone number if you uh, have an interest in uh, getting to know and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. So... I did it. I was like, I'm ready. Um, there's no turning back at this point because I put it in the offering plate and it passed on. So um, a few days later, um, Harmon Johnson 
uh, an elder of the church, uh, he would pay me a visit. He called me, and uh, he, he, uh, we planned a lunch. He came over to my house, and I just shared what was going on, everything that I've kind of shared with you at the, to this point. And he could tell that uh, you know God was moving in my life, and uh, that there was something there. And um, you know, after an hour lunch or something and, and talking, his simple advice to me was to get myself around other Christians, fellowship, uh, to fellowship with other Christians. And uh, it just seemed so simple. I was like, uh, okay. Uh, so I, uh, Wednesday nights, I was going to church to play volleyball. Uh, Friday mornings, I was attending uh, Harmon's uh, Bible study. Monday nights, I was part of like a starting point kind of thing, a uh, new believers group. And, uh, and then Sunday morning. Sunday morning was church. And then afterwards, uh, the second service, there was an adult Bible study. So I was just trying to get around as many people as I could. Um, I'm a shy guy. So maybe it was just more to meet people. But um, that was kind of a joke. For, you know. <laughs> um, so I was getting to know more people at the church. Uh, so I was immersing myself in the, the church. Um, I found myself listening to preachers on the AM radio, uh, reading daily devotionals, spending time in the Bible every chance I got. Um, and along with hearing the word on Sunday mornings, uh, I just was immersing myself in truth, um, which was new to me. Uh, my truth had been just who Dale was and what, uh, what I experienced in life, uh, the world uh, vision, the world view. Um, so I began to actually start to see and hear God all around me. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know I got into that. Uh, um, so then, and, and Harmon started discipling me uh, in his home. He invited me over. I forget the little book that we came up with. I think it's something that you might find on, on a track uh, pamphlet area. And we just started going through scripture, memorizing scripture. I remember uh, there was little tear outs in this booklet, and I'd, I would put, I'd tape them up to my dashboard. So as I was riding around, I was memorizing 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and John 3, 16. And uh, it was important for me to memorize, and I've never been a memorizer. I've just never put a lot of value in that. Um, but I did now for some reason. Um, but Harmon would talk about the joy of knowing the Lord. I uh, bring this up. It's just a, uh, you know, and and finally I got the, uh, the the courage to say, Harmon, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I, I certainly am not feeling it because when somebody says something, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah I know that. I know that feeling. Um, he tried his best to describe it, but it seemed like it was something that was just not was just not part of my life, and I couldn't obtain. Uh, certainly not then. So uh, at the time, you know, being involved in the church, and this is six, eight months later, um, I'm starting to be convicted that I, I need to be part of the church. I need to serve. I need to be part of the body. And at the time, being a stay-at-home dad of a two-year-old, uh, changing diapers and playing on the floor is what I was good at and uh, what I was called to do, evidently, because I went into the nursery. Uh, I think I was the only guy in all of children's ministry at the time. Um, Thankfully, the ladies, when there was a smell coming from one of the kids, they were like, oh, honey, I'll take care of that for you. And I was like, oh, good. I don't know how to change diapers, you know. Um, so I just became a court jester. I just kind of went in there and graduated up to the toddlers finally, you know, kids that could actually talk. Um, so I was serving, you know. I was serving. I was participating in, in church and in, in fellowship with uh, uh, this newfound family. Um, but, it, you know, it was uh, short-term mission trips down to Kensington. There was a sister church there. Just everything I could do. Um, you know, relationships that were functioning for God's glory uh, with people and uh, ministries. Um, you know, not built on the sands of parties and alcohol and selfishness and pride, but on, on the rock of accountability and encouragement and family. I mean, family now, even though I've been a father for two years and married for 22, family didn't mean much to me. I don't know how else to say it. Just it wasn't a priority for me. Dale was a priority. Uh, going fishing and doing whatever else uh, I kind of did, that was a priority for me. Um, but I was beginning to understand this joy that Harmon had spoken about, joy of knowing the Lord. Um, and it kind of came through uh, two things, through young children and through music. So eventually I got out of the toddler room and uh, because they needed Sunday school teachers at, at the preschool level. I don't know. How, how many have taught in in children's ministry here. All right, so you know what three- and four-year-olds are like? It's like hurting, hurting cats. I mean, we get them, we would get them when they were potty trained. So that was their big achievement, that they didn't, <laughs> they didn't go in their pants, you know, but everything else was now on us. Um, and when I say us, I, I mean me, 
because I didn't have anybody to help me. So, you know, I'm in one of these little, you know, cinder block prison rooms with 15 kids. And, you know, and I'm young, I'm new to the faith. I, and, and I'm frustrated that I can't share it with them because I'm, I'm busy, you know, administering to their, their three and four year old needs, which had nothing to do with uh, understanding or hearing the gospel. Um, so it was a frustrating time, but um, I felt like a fish out of water, but uh, it was like I was finding things to do to, to I mean, God love you pastors, but you take forever on the sermon. I was just like, when are they coming down to pick up their kids? You know, I was like, you know, you can only have so much, uh, you know, fish, uh, goldfish, and water. And I say, like, hey, potty time. We're, I don't have to go. We're all going down to the potty. It was just, it was a time kill. Um, but then one one summer, we we uh, and I'll talk a little bit about this later on. We started going to Camp Spofford, New Hampshire, where uh, Daryl and Mindy serve. And I remember at the end of the week on Friday morning at, after, uh, during church, all the preschoolers would get up and they'd sing songs that they'd been working on the whole time, the whole week. Um, and I saw the joy of the Lord there. It, you, know, you saw these kids just singing these, these songs uh, with joy in their heart. And it was worship. It was just, it was worship. So I came back and um, I was like, I'm going to bring my guitar in. And I started, uh, and I started playing and worshiping with the kids. Uh, Jesus loves me. This little light of mine. If you're happy and you know, clap your hands. You know, uh, um, or uh, yeah, it's, it's thanks, Jenny. Appreciate <laughs> I thought about bringing my guitar in and getting you guys to sing some children's songs, but um, we'll work on that, right, Tom? Um, so you know, the, the children's songs—they began to replace country gospel. Um, I was now trying to figure out songs I could play for these kids, and I remember the the student or the children's ministry leaders coming down the hallway. They're hearing all this, this screaming and yelling and singing, and they're looking in. and It's like, what's going on here? So, um, so that was great. Anyway, music uh, music was still permeating through my life, and now it was I could share it with these kids. Uh, it was just becoming clearer and clearer. So, you know, God had gotten uh, he he got my attention through sorrow. Um, probably in a lot of other ways, but it was really through the sorrow of losing my grandparents. And then he began speaking through me um, with music um, and showed me what the joy of the Lord was like. Um, and he was surrounding me with other people who uh, would become my family, and, you know, part of his family. I, and I didn't understand that either, but, it was, but you, you, we all know what family is. So I was starting to feel part of that. Um, so at one time I was an infant in need of milk, um, but, but by now, um, by his grace, I'm able to feed and encourage and grow others, uh, in, even in a leadership position uh, as a small group leader. Um, but I know he's not done yet, and um, you know, I'm excited and anticipated for what's next and who, who he's going to put in my path. You know, which, which one of you guys here is going to be next in my path or somebody that hasn't even come to Grace Point yet? Um, I know he's waiting for me in that moment. Um, so right now, um, he has me supporting and encouraging other small group leaders uh, in this position in, uh, as the group team um, lead. And um, he's surrounding me with other men who are seeking his presence, you know, on Thursday nights. Um, so just the blessings continue to abound, and it becomes clearer and clearer as I look back 12 years uh, about what he was doing in, in that sorrow and in that country gospel music. Um, some of my friends thought I was weird. You know, I was crazy. What are you listening to? In fact, I, I remember doing a paint job with a guy. I had my earbuds in. And as a kid I had grown up with, I'd known him for 40 years. And uh, he could hear the music come out. I said, hey, what are you listening to? And I was like, um, country gospel. He was like, Christian music? And I was like, sort of, yeah. So it was, uh, it was new. Um, also, you know, my wife Hannah and my son have become, uh, are becoming Part of the fabric here at Grace Point, and uh, so the joy of the Lord is starting to permeate out, um, and I'm starting to really uh, feel it. So I encourage all of you guys to uh, get around other Christians. Um, obviously, this is one opportunity, and a lot of the familiar faces here that we see every month, we see at the, the, at the retreats, see on Sunday mornings, uh, you guys get it. This is an opportunity to get around other Christians, uh, whether it's to eat, whether it's to chit-chat, uh, whether it's to play pickleball, whatever it is. Um, you know, get into an adult Bible study. Get into a small group. How many small group leaders are, are in here right now? Um, so there's an opportunity. If you're not, how many people are in a small group in this room? Okay, pretty much everybody. And if you're not, you know, I, 
encourage you to do it. This is a small group. I mean, the Saturday morning breakfast team and, and the people that are regulars, you, you kind of become a small group. You know, you see that this is a place where you're going to know that you're going to run into people every month. Um, so maybe down the hallway is the other place for you guys. Maybe that's a small group with small people. Maybe you can get involved in children's ministry. Maybe you can go across the hallway here and with Tim and some other people Dave. in the youth group. And Dave, yeah. yeah. Um, no rats over there. Um, <laughs> inside joke. Um, so, but wherever you find yourself uh, in your journey, uh, I'm confident that God's been there all along waiting for you to join him and walk in fellowship with him. So that kind of leads me into uh, the fellowship thing. Um, I hope, Hopefully I've... I wove that in enough. Uh, fellowship has been important in my walk. And to be where I'm at right now as far as that Grace Point and um, um, leading a team of people that are encouraging other small group leaders, uh, small groups is a big deal for me. Um, I've always been part of a small group. And it, I was talking with Hannah the other day, and, and just the, f- the reason I'm here is from a small group. Uh, I mean, it, it started with God, uh, God working through Harmon. Um, and then Harmon, uh, that just got me going. I was getting around other Christians, and that led to a small, it was a life group. We called it a care ring, uh, the Studleys, Chris and Kelly Studley. So we were amongst some other uh, young adults, young uh, parents. And from that, they served at, at Camp Spofford. So we started going to Camp Spofford about nine years ago. And at Camp Spofford, we developed some friendships with uh, some families there, small group, another small group that uh, have become a big part of our life throughout the year. Um, while we were there, we met the Benjamins. Uh, and uh, through the Benjamins, we ended up coming to Grace Point. Uh, at Grace Point, it ended up, uh, it was a Brazilian steak, steak cookout. Forget the guy's name, help me out. Uh, yeah, uh, is where I, I met Dave Neller. Uh, Dave Neller invited me to his small group on Thursday nights. Um, Dave, uh, then I, I later found out was really just grooming me to be the leader. He wanted to say, <laughs> um, yep. and then I became, you know, I, I stepped in as the, 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 the coordinator, the guy, the, the head honcho, whatever we talk about it all the time. It's our group. It's a, it's a group of men. We're all part of this group. I just happened to organize it. Um, and then that led to being part of the, the groups, the groups team. So small groups have just been part of my life forever. So I wanted to take a minute and just talk about, um, small groups a little bit, uh, because I have your attention and I have a few minutes. Um, so I, I, we were talking about fellowship and all the fellowship that, that was throughout. Can we go around and just give uh, definitions you guys came up with, um, and share that with everyone? Yes, sir. I started with shared values, shared faith, and shared activity. Shared sharing, sharing values, faith, and activities. Okay. Who else? Ed, I know we did one. Yeah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit fellowshipping, and we're a, we're a family. Okay. So you think if uh, what who yeah you yeah. said Just that the, it begins with yeah it's the foundation. The foundation. Father, Son, Holy Spirit being called into that Trinity mm-hmm. by God's grace, mm-hmm. and it opens up the fellowship. That's the that's the, the foundation because uh, if I'm with family or, or friends, I'm physically together or remotely, whatever. But if they don't have you know, the blessing of God's saving grace, we're going to see things differently. We're going to understand that we're not going to have that same experience. So I think fellowship is driven by grace and by what God has done in my life. Mm-hmm. And if that's the foundation, then I'll be with other men or other people who are going to see right. see that their world and themselves through through the lens of, good. of God's grace. Good. good. Yeah. Anybody else? Any other table or maybe individual if the table didn't do it? Mike? Sharing with fellow believers. Sharing with other believers, fellow believers. Okay. Sharing, more sharing. Um, so we had a couple points. Uh, first one was gathering of true believers. Uh, the second one was community. And the last point was iron, iron sharpening iron. Pointing each other towards Jesus. Okay. More sharing, more activities. Anybody else? Ed? It's kind of funny, uh, some coffee was spilled on the table on the fellowship paper. <laughs> and I think, you know, it's still like, at the same time, like the breaking of bread together, like mm-hmm. tangibly, what does it mean? Like physically being together and eating together when you have that time together, it's, uh, it's a special moment. Like, you, you can't live without eating, you can't live without fellowship, and you bring them together. 
So, good. And, and you guys are all kind of in the same vein here, and, we'll, and I'll get into that a little bit. But as far as at Grace Point, we have three different kinds of small groups here. So we have a life group, which is basically, you know, it's, um, here's the official definition, a space for people to intentionally share their lives with others, grow spiritually together, and encourage each other through the highs and the lows of life. Uh, we have care groups. Um, a care group is a member offer, uh, members offer and perform specific areas of care, support, and encouragement to, to other church members uh, who have a need due to illness, divorce, grief, uh, various personal needs. So you see our divorce, our divorce care, um, grief share, things like that. That's, that's going to be a care group. And then we have a Bible study. Jack, you guys have a Bible study in here every Sunday morning. And it's exclusively for uh, studying and devoting to God's Word. Um, there's, there's not a lot of, okay, who has a prayer request? That doesn't go on. You guys are studying God's Word in here. So a lot of you guys who lead and participate in small groups are probably a combination of the life group and the Bible study. I mean, you care for each other, but the, the care is just kind of a different kind of thing. But we're either doing life together or, and or studying God's Word together. Um, so basically, what fellowship is not? I'll start out with what it's not. We'll see if uh, any of these touch on what you have, us, uh, wrote down and shared. Um, it's not just any warm human interchange. So we can be walking in the park and sit down, and somebody comes along, and we have a, you know, just a nice conversation. That's not fellowship. Um, it's not simply connecting with others through shared common interests, experiences, and viewpoints. So if you're part of a, a bicycle team or a club or something like that, that's not fellowship. We're, we're, we're there for a common interest. We're there to go biking together. Um, it's not actually just attending a Bible study. Um, it's, you know, when you come in here on Sunday morning, that's not necessarily fellowship. Um, it's not attending a men's retreat. Just because you showed up a couple weekends ago at the men's retreat, that, that wasn't fellowship. Um, um, two Christians can be married to one another and not, still not experience uh, fellowship. Not all relationships include fellowship. Um, any of that make sense to you? Or is it kind of like, what's he talking about? <laughs> Anyone? I mean, it, it, is kind of, it is kind of straight at you. I mean, we think of fellowship as a lot of different things, and, and all that you shared I agree with. Um, and nobody said any of these other ones uh, specifically. So what is fellowship? Um, to me, and this, is, uh, this isn't Dale, um, this is a book uh, that I have been using for quite some time, and there's not many words in here that aren't highlighted or underlined or uh, whatnot, but it's called Why Small Groups. And I'm kind of giving you a little synopsis of the uh, why, you know, why Fellowship um, uh, chapter that's in here. So I'm taking a lot of it from there, and I'm adding a little bit of my own flavor. Um, but the, uh, the fellowship as defined in the English Bible, which is a translation of the Greek Bible, uh, is koinonia, uh, which is a word for community. Uh, it's rooted in the word community. So uh, the Revised Standard Version uses fellowship as opposed to koinonia. So in Acts 2.42, I'll read a couple of uh, scripture here that uh, talks about fellowship. Acts 2.42, um, it reads, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. <coughs> Philippians, uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2, 1 and 2. Uh, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and of one mind. In Philemon uh, chapter 1, because I hear, you know, Paul writes, because I hear about your love for all his holy people and your faith in the Lord Jesus, I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. So some of the key words that you guys were using, I find in here, and I'd already chosen these verses, but encouragement, united in Christ, sharing in the spirit, um, like-minded, same love, same mind, faith uh, in the Lord Jesus, partnership, um, refreshing of the hearts. So it, those things are all fellowship. So possible definition that I kind of came up with using a bunch of other stuff was, uh, you know, participating together in the life and the truth made possible by the Holy Spirit through the union with Christ. 
kind of uh, very uh, Christianese, and I think the way you guys defined it is more down to earth, more realistic. Um, but basically, the essence then of, of a unique Christian experience is fellowship. Um, I don't know how many, Jim, do you call your friends up and say, hey, why don't you guys come over and fellowship with me and watch the Eagles game? Maybe. Maybe you do. I shouldn't use you as an example, darn it. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, we, we all have friends outside of this church, outside of our, of, of our church family or of our Christian family. And you don't call them up and say, hey, why don't you come over to fellowship? You say, hey, why don't you come over and we'll, we'll cook some hot dogs and hamburgers and play cornhole. Uh, so fellowship is unique to us. To us, uh, to us believers, um, participating together, sharing things we have in common, um, which is what? Which is who? God. Um, it's our experiences of God we're sharing. So, um, but not all experiences. So there's, there's a lot of experiences in life that people outside this room, outside this group, outside of our church, all experience. They have the same ability to share those experiences as we do. Um, can you... Name, fire off a, cup, a bunch? Pickleball. Pickleball. What else? Falling in love. What else? Just, just common experiences in life that doesn't matter if you're a, a heathen or a believer, you can experience. Career progression. Career building. Family. Having children. I, I put play baseball, but, you know, pickleball, whatever. To each his own. Um, going to college. There's just experiences in life that we all have the opportunity to do, but only Christians can experience fellowship. And why is that? Because it starts with God, right? And th so the people that are getting married and having children and, and building their job, you know, building their careers and, and all that stuff, and they don't have God, well, they don't have fellowship with Him. So some of my personal relationships uh, began and were developed through the small groups that I mentioned. Um, these are things that I got from these, from these people, from this fellowship with these people. Maybe you can relate and think about people in your life that you have this fellowship with. Uh, Harmon, who I mentioned, um, he shared the gospel and my need for a savior. Uh, he shared that with me. He, uh, Scott, uh, a friend that I met in my first Bible study group, I remember him telling a story and he mentioned ice hockey. And I was like, ice hockey? Because at the time I was playing ice hockey. So that, that was a common interest that we all had the ability to, to be part of, but I heard all that and I, I experienced that in a small group as we were studying God's word. So he shared um, with me the experiences of being a husband and a father. Uh, that was the fellowship we had. Uh, Paul, uh, he was a small group leader for me and he shared with me his love and devotion to God's word and how he prepared to, to lead uh, that small group. It was extraordinary. Uh, my friend Rich, he showed me that redemption is possible even for the worst of us sinners. Um, his life story was incredible and what he came through and, and was redeemed from uh, because of his faith in Jesus Christ was incredible to me. Um, again, being a new believer, I was like, you know, I've done some things I don't think I could ever be forgiven for. Rich showed me differently through, uh, through his word. And then there's uh, Dave Neller. So Dave, um, he's showed me and he's been a reflection of Jesus and what it looks like to serve others. So he shared that with me. So all that stuff... It, I, you know, I, none of these people are outside of the church. I, I was thinking of some people that I could, that I, that I knew in my life that I had fellowship with, but um, it was really hard to do. You know, it was it was through it was through my relationship with uh, with Jesus. So, how do we seek this deeper experience in fellowship? Um, it begins with God. So I, when when he said that, I was like, ding ding ding. I would write that one down. So. Um, it begins with God. We, we can't put fellowship before uh, the relationship with God. Um, I think activities and things that we do uh, happen before maybe we come to God. Um, and maybe God's using those activities and those experiences to lead us towards him. But the, that's not fellowship. The fellowship happens then eventually as we get to know God. So John writes in 1 John, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim uh, concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We, pro we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ. So imagine, this is John saying, hey, us, uh, us disciples, we have heard, we have seen, we have touched God and Jesus. 
Um, and they're proclaiming it to everybody else. They're like, hey, listen to us. We, we have that experience. I think we have that experience as well. Maybe not to the degree and to the level that the disciples had, but we have it when we fellowship with one another and experience God, whether it is at a retreat, whether it's at pickleball, whether it's at a men's breakfast. There's opportunities where God is going to meet with us, and then we can take that out and proclaim that to, the, to everybody else, um, especially our own church. Um, so how well do you know Jesus? How well do you know God that you're able to fellowship and, and, and share that with other people around you? Um, so there's two channels, two different channels. One God, two different channels he works through. Uh, the Spirit directly working through our hearts. And then here's, here's one that I think everybody uh, can attest to, the Spirit working through other believers. So my testimony is a, t- is a testament to that uh, for sure. Um, these relationships are event- you know, inevitably uh, influenced by sin. So we may, in the darkness of our sin and left to ourselves, if we didn't get in small groups, if we didn't gather, whether it's two people, three people, or, or 40 people, um, if we're left to ourselves, we, we can choose to ignore pastors. We can choose to turn off the radio and not listen to AM radio uh, um, sermons. We can close our books. We, nobody's going to know whether we read our Bible in the morning or not because we're doing it on our own. Um, the Spirit uses people closest to us, our friends, our family, small group members, uh, these people may be less likely to ignore God's urging so easily. Um, so if I'm coming to you and saying, hey, man, are you, have you, how's it going? Or like, what, what book of the Bible are you reading? Um, you're either going to lie to me or you're going to say, uh, I'm not reading one, or I'm in Romans right now, or whatever it is. So that accountability we get from one another, we can't run from. So we get to the means of fellowship. I'm sure you've heard the means of grace. Um, and it's basically things we can do to obtain and to experience fellowship. So worshiping God together, we do that on Sunday mornings, uh, praying with one another. Um, sometimes that's in the moment. Sometimes it's uh, on Sunday mornings. Sometimes it's in our small groups. Uh, we can use our spiritual gifts. We can serve, like the men, thank you, who served us breakfast this morning. Um, uh, all the people that make a Sunday morning happen. I don't know if you guys know the intricacy of, of us sitting there for an hour and, and hearing a message and singing and, and glorifying God. A lot goes into that coffee, greeters, uh, on and on and on. So there's spiritual gifts that you can use to serve. And then carrying one another's burdens. Um, I think this is an important thing for us as men uh, in small groups. Uh, Carrying one another's burdens. But we need and have the responsibility to communicate those to one another, right? I don't know what's on your heart right now, Tom. Um, Maybe I heard something over here. Maybe I know you a little bit. But unless you actually tell me, I have no idea what you're going through and living through. So we need to share with one another. Uh, We need to confess to one another. Uh, We need to correct one another, although be careful there. Um, uh, That's a tricky one. You might want to uh, take that up the pay grade to a pastor or somebody, depending on the need or depending on your relationship with that person. Uh, And we need to serve one another, uh, serve with one another as well. So a couple things real quick. Uh, That hinder fellowship, uh, self-sufficiency. Uh, we're all pretty good at that as guys, I think. Uh, maybe it's because of our our calling to be heads of our family and whatnot, and we feel like we, we, we got it. We can figure it all out, and we don't need God to do it, but that's called ungodliness, and that's a sin. Um, thinking we're adequate without him. Um, a clue to this probably taking place is that your prayer life is is small. The, the, the less you talk to God, probably the less he's really involved in your life, wouldn't you think? So it starts with prayer. Uh, formalities. Uh, we, we tend to, to use the world's rules and formalities um, as we uh, uh, try to get together as fellowship. So I think in small groups, you know, something that we do in society is we use the proper fork, you know, for dinner, uh, in a formal dinner. Um, we, don't lay, we don't share family matters outside of the family, right? But in small group, we kind of throw that kind of stuff out, out the door. Um, we, we want to share uh, our family lives. We want to do things that isn't normal, that we don't have to stay in this lane. And uh, we want to stay out of predictable patterns. And I think um, as a small group leader, I'm uh, guilty of this. We get into these patterns of we pray, then we'll read some scripture, then uh, we'll discuss scripture, and then we'll pray, and then we'll rinse and repeat. You know, we just, we do it week after week. So be aware that you get into ruts. Um, 
you know, uh, using the same material formats. Maybe you're just a, a small group that uses videos um, and, and you don't want to actually dive into the word and just go verse by verse and have somebody lead you through it. Try that. Um, so something that we've done in our small group is the second Tuesday of every month, uh, we stop our study. We pause it and we do a, a night of uh, worship and praise. Takes on different different uh, look every week. Uh, we've gone to Tom's house for a meal, come to my house, and just kind of shared our lives. Uh, we're doing a bonfire this coming week, so it's just a, a chance to get to know each other, fellowship amongst uh, believers, sharing each other. Uh, another hindrance to fellowship is bitterness. Bitterness, unfulfilled expectations. You know, like maybe nobody's asking you to get a cup of coffee after small group. The only time this guy ever talks to me is when I come on Thursday nights. Um, you know, maybe mutual interest. Maybe uh, you're the guy. Everybody comes and talks about the Phillies and the Eagles and stuff. And it's like, I really don't care about sports. And you feel like you're outside, so you get bitter about that. It's like, well, I'm not going to come to this small group anymore. Um, jealousy. You know, maybe uh, you're thinking, ah, oh, geez, you know, Tim was leading us last night. I could do it a lot better than him. He's horrible at leading us through the Bible, you know. Um, <laughs> my burdens are so much worse than Dave. Dave's complaining about rats in the kitchen at the camp. I mean, whoop de do, man. Um, <laughs> um, and, and elitism. Uh, another hindrance to fellowship is elitism. Um, you know, a condescending attitude. Like, uh, you know, we're, we're too smart. We, we, we study the Bible word for word. These guys are using right now media and Tony Evans videos. I mean, that's, that's like the Bible light. Get away from that stuff. Um, so, lastly, but not... I'm good. Um, how do we get from point A to point B? How do we increase our fellowship with one another? And I'm, I'm not here, by the way, guys, uh, preaching that this isn't happening. I'm not here um, condescending, saying that you could do it better. I'm suggesting that there's different ways and, and different intentional ways to, to look about it, to pray about it, and to act upon it. Um, so a lot of things we can do is ask. You know, um, how do we get from point A? We can ask. We can ask different questions instead of, uh, hey, Tom, how you doing? It's more like, hey, Tom, I heard, you know, that was a difficult uh, time that you've gone through with your, your sister-in-law. Um, sister. Sister. Thank you. So, um, you know, how, how's God using that burden in your life? You know, uh, how, what, how's he working through you on that? Like, be specific. Um, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. It's the, it's the common answer that we get on Sunday mornings. Meanwhile... We kicked the dog on the way out. We argued with our wife the whole way here. And when we got here, I found out I had two different color socks on. And then somebody's like, hey, how are you doing, Dale? I'm doing great. How about you? You know? So ask people. Ask them specifically, how's it really going? Uh, we're, it's easy to talk about ourselves. Uh, we're usually pretty good at it. But uh, finding somebody that's a good listener is, is uh, a little harder. Volunteer. Um, you know, volunteer information. You know, you used to do again, Tom. Why are you guys sitting beside you? It's both Tom Tom's. talking to you, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, volunteer information. Again, Tom, if you have a burden on your heart and you're a regular part of my group or something, I, I need you to come to me. I, you know, there's, there's anywhere from 8 to 12, 14 guys that show up. And for me to ask everybody how's it going or for you to ask everybody how it's going, um, in, in truth, I mean, you need to take the time to, to offer that, volunteer that. Um, ready-made opportunities. Um, keep notes. Keep a prayer journal. When you're sitting there throughout your, I mean, even here, um, take notes. Uh, maybe I heard some, Tim say something. I wrote it down. Right now is not the time to talk to him, but I can send him a text later. Uh, that happened at a men's retreat. Adam, I heard Adam talking about bicycling. I was like, hmm. and I went on to GP Central, found his uh, email address, and sent him an email. And he didn't know he had it until this morning when I told him, check your email. But regardless, you know, um, there, there's things to do there. Uh, be ready. Um, be creative. Meet over meals. Go for a bike ride. Uh, show up. Uh, you know, ha have a picnic together in, um, with uh, the, other, uh, the other person and his wife, maybe. Uh, do retreats together, whether it's uh, an organized men's retreat or whether it's, you know, your small group might have their own retreat. Hey, guys, we're, uh, we're planning on, on uh, going to Poconos for this weekend. If you can make it, great. Whoever shows up, we're going to have fun. So serve together. Uh, the women's tea. If you uh, are interested in serving at the women's tea and being uh, part of that, talk to Jim. Jim is uh, helping Sharon with that, and uh, I don't, there's various ways that you, can, um, that you can serve that way. One winter night, plenty of uh, opportunities to, to uh, serve there together. 
here with other men or with your small group. So um, that's it. Uh, you know, it's written in Hebrews. If today you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. So if you have not already come to know the joy of the Lord, uh, find a pastor, uh, find a small group leader. There's, there's a bunch of us here. Or just take a look around you, anybody that you had in common as you were eating and talking and, and you heard something that, that made sense that you can connect with. Um, reach out to that person today, right now, like as we break. Uh, maybe this weekend. Maybe find somebody that you saw here tomorrow morning continue this conversation tomorrow or be real intentional and go to GP Central and find that person. I think his name was Nor Norger, Norgery or something like that. Do a search. You find Norbert. You'll find a picture of him and you'll be, yeah, that was the guy. Send him a text. Send him an email. Uh, reach out to people. So um, there's all kinds of, of God's children sitting around you right now and um, they're able and willing probably to share the love of Christ with you. And uh, just know this, just like my grandmother said, smile because God loves you. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Any questions before you break? Anything that's struck you that you want to just maybe throw up there to You made the first John 1 Bible verse. Uh, How does that relate specifically to fellowship? What's, I, it's a great verse. I'm just like the, the plug of that. Well, what I was saying is that John was saying, hey, as, as apostles, we knew Jesus. We, we saw him. We talked with him. We touched him. Um, and they were then, then sharing it with other believers or other new believers. So the point of uh, I think it was is that they were immersed in and prioritized getting to know God, getting to know him personally. They had him in person to get to know him. We have the Bible um, to get to know him. And um, I just don't forsake that. You know, when you get together, whether it's, hey, you know, Ed, we're going to, let's go for a walk at Tyler State Park tomorrow. Well, maybe prepare, prepare and whatever you're in as a devotional or whether, whatever Bible uh, study you're in, maybe as you're walking with Ed, say, hey, Ed, you know, I came across this verse. It's, uh, it's a tricky one or something. Don't, don't forsake that. Continue to, to use that commonality that we have in Christ. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. Dave in the back. Yeah. In your, in your intro, when you were talking about what is fellowship and what is not fellowship, you said that we can have two leaders married to each other. Well, I didn't. I didn't say two believers married. I just said two married people. Uh, you said two believers. I did. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Two Christians can be married to one another and still not experience fellowship. Well, let's go to what uh, fellowship is. Uh, are they sharing? Are they encouraging one another? Are they like-minded? Do they have the same love uh, for one another, another as Christ does? Do they have faith, true faith? And I mean, we can all say we're believers. Do you have the same true faith? Uh, are they partnershiping? Are they sharing? Are they refreshing other people? So I think... Yeah, on the surface, oh, Dave, you can help me out any time here. Uh, on the surface, uh, or did I step in? I do have a thought because because I'm thinking, and this applies whether it's marriage or fellowship with other men or whatever. There's a level of vulnerability with opening your life up to someone else, and that doesn't always go well. Mm. So, I, and a I, I question for you would be, in the course of your experience with, with fellowship, have you had times where you've let down your guard, so to speak, and maybe that's not gone well? Maybe you haven't had that. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, some of what, you know, when I was going through that lineage of how it started with God and ended up here, you know, there were small groups in there, and, and Hannah and I were part of a life group, uh, the Studley group. Uh, that was the last group that we were involved in together. We're currently searching for a small group to do that together. But it's been mm, eight, nine years since we've been doing something together that way. She's done women's studies. Obviously, I'm in part of a men's study, but we do that separately. We've tried to do family worship. Uh, raise your hand if you find that to be easy. Um, you know, it, I, we have good intention. We sit down as three of us to, to do a study or to have a discussion. Um, it just doesn't always happen. So, uh, I, you know, we can... We can fill our roles as a parent, as a, as a husband, as a brother, as a son. We can fill that role and yet still not be fellowshipping because we're, we're more concerned about 
that role and, and what the world says that role should be instead of getting outside of it. So I don't know if that's... <laughs> I, I got something, too. I, I, believers are in different stages of walking. Yeah. So we can be married and we can be desiring the Lord and we can be up here and then you have a... You come into this relationship of marriage and, and her faith has been stunted and that fellowship isn't there. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you have to you pray for it that one day it will be there. But it is difficult and it's something to work on. Something I'm going through because we, we went to two different kinds of churches. Um, so I wouldn't say what we believe is different, but our our growth has been different. Mm -hmm. that so that's definitely yep. something. It's a good point. Reality. So I th and it's awesome if you have it. If you have that fellowship in your life, it's beautiful. And, and I think some of, some of those examples that I gave um, were, were very black and white. You know, hey, you go to a men's retreat. I don't want to disparage any. I mean, not have fellowship. You might go there and, and find it was a great place to take a nap and get some rest. Uh, and you never really connected with people. So um, there's opportunities. We have, there are the means of grace. There are the means of, of fellowship. They're, God puts them in our lives. It doesn't mean that we always walk through them and, and participate in them. So marriage could have got married for a variety of reasons. And uh, you, you may believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but it doesn't mean you're uh, sharing that with your wife. Yeah, yeah I would say, uh, Dell, you know, part of this has to do with the quality of the point of life, right? Mm -hmm. Theologically, um, you know, two believers coming together, whether it's us here or our wives, we have the, the, the spirits dwelling in us, right? Mm -hmm. So technically, there's koinonia. But you can hinder the spirit, right? You know, we see in the scriptures where you know, we're not really living out the faith, yeah. we're not living out to the potential we could be, and so the spirits, you know, that fellowship's hindered yeah. in some way. Mm -hmm. right? We're not actively pursuing it. We're not pointing each other to Jesus. We're not worshiping together. Um, so I think it's not a matter of is it there or isn't. It's a matter of, you know, the quality of, of, of it and us living out that. To what degree? Experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point. Great conversation, though. But, and I mean, really, anything that hinders fellowship between you and a fellow believer, mm. whether it be a wrong, whether it be a misunderstanding that hasn't been, you know, handled in the correct way, you, know, you yeah. go to somebody and talk to them about it. That those same things happen in a marriage. They happen all the time. Yeah. You know. And and I thought you were segueing back to small groups. So yeah, our, our smallest group is our wife and us, and, and if you're married, uh, your family, whatever it might be. But our small groups is just such a an awesome opportunity for us to practice this because um, we don't know who needs it. We don't know why we're, we're coming on Thursday night. Sometimes it's for you. Sometimes it's for somebody else. And, and, and you're sitting at home and it's like, ah, geez, it would be easier to just stay at home and watch the World Series. But maybe you need to be there because there's somebody else that was waiting for you to come. They had heard you share something previously on a Thursday night, in my case, and we're waiting for you to come again because they didn't have the confidence to text you outside of the group. So... That's yeah. exactly what like Sunday night you. Uh, you don't feel like going because well somebody's going to look for you daily and need you. Yeah. You know, it's it's great. If the the men's retreat I had a, I had a thought that I shared with a couple people about. You know, we get together on Sunday morning after we're leaving, and that's where we're sharing our, our takeaways from the from the weekend. Um, for some of us, it took us all the way until then to have that confidence to do it as opposed to maybe Friday night saying, hey, uh, I'm here for this reason. Um, I'm struggling with this. And, and then we have, we have the opportunity to minister, to pray, to, to fellowship with that person in a true, true biblical way. So something to give thought to next year. Hey guys, thanks. Thank you. Um, thanks to the chefs. Thank you. Yes, thank you, guys.